This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest wi-fi access for customers bt's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy whatever your business bt's got your back search bt's got your back hello this is the webbox podcast i'm matt chorley on today's episode we bring you part two of our columnist focus group your favorite times writers giving us their view of the world Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Let's turn our attention then to Christmas. How will you be celebrating Christmas? It's Christmas Eve when we're having this chat on Times Radio, sort of. Um, what, it, what does Christmas look like? Um, Alice, I seem to remember from the, the focus group last year, you were going to slaughter your own cockerel. Is that right? Well, I'm not allowed to, actually, but it does make a huge noise at about four o'clock in the morning. So one of them might, one of the other siblings, the youngest one is the one who has the cockerel and the chickens. Uh, in fact, there are now three cockerels, which is the big problem because they, we bred some chicks and they all tended to be boys for some reason, which I hadn't really clocked that what you do with extra cockerels, but... They are now all wandering around, so one of them may have to be lunch. Um, Liz, who's got the hatchet? Uh, that is the point. I don't think any... I wasn't quite sure even how to do it, I have to say. Are they all as noisy as each other, or does one become the noisy one? No, they're all pretty noisy, I have to say, but then they were all fed on Weetabix. They weren't quite sure what to feed chicks on, so they're pretty massive now, actually. I think they're bigger than this. So they're kind of Boris Johnson. <laughs> you know cockerels. what? We had got... The worst thing we got this year was we got the... Um, we were trying to have some baby lambs. So we got the really big Exmoor um, ram that was called Boris because it lives next to Boris's farm on Exmoor. We got it up and we put it in a field of 20 of our sheep. Very nice female ewes, very pretty, very good looking. And he refused to go with more than one of them. He was completely... Absolutely. And then jumped the fence and all the ones on the other side <laughs> anyway he was completely useless blank shots the whole time so that was yeah. a disaster so that kind of put me off that so we haven't got many lambs this year i'm afraid the rabbit the rabbit's currently going round and round on a ride at pepper pig world <laughs> <laughs> uh rachel what does christmas look like in your house 
Well, it's also my son's 18th birthday, my oldest son. So we will be celebrating that for a lot of the day, I think. More of the day than normal. So normally he has a sort of very small tea party sometime at about four o'clock when we pretend it's his birthday as well as Christmas. But I think this year it might have to be slightly more dominant. He'll be able to have his first alcoholic drink. Well, obviously, exactly. Uh, And uh, we'll be remembering how, as he was born, they were playing sort of terrible... Santa Claus is coming to town and a really badly tuned in radio on the hospital operating theatre because he was in emergency cesarean because he was upside oh. down. Um, and all the angel, all the uh, nurses had angel wings on their back because it was Christmas Day. God, it was all squinted uh, by Richard so, Curtis, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be champagne for breakfast and um, lots of presents for Will. Yeah. Very good, very good. Now, come on, David. We all know that Christmas in the Ivanovich house is, is like a, a Richard Curtis film. Um, we were supposed to be going to Florence. But that's all I can tell you. So it's a kind of it's a kind of therapeutic day as we try to get over a sense of loss. It, you it celebrate Winterfall, don't you, David? Um, I. <laughs> do you know what? I'm going to say this. Right, I, I hate all these bloody things. I love having the family over for great big cat family gatherings. I love that. I really enjoy it. And we did one, you know, uh, but. Things where people says it's all we're all going to do this on the same day. And we're all going to feel this about it. And we're all going to sing this song. And we're all going to look at that film, etc. It makes me want to hurl, frankly. It really, really does. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a kind of you know Christmas uh, humbug. It means kind of you sort of downgrade all the other kind of great moments and the business of actually being together in favour of the kind of formulae that you use. It's a bit like the difference between let's say the Queen as a person and the Queen as narrated by whoever's doing the coronation. David, what um, did you do the, growing up? Did you did you uh, sing the red flag, basically, at lunchtime? No, I, no, it, no, no. I lay in a sleeping bag reading a, a, the, um, the paperback version of The Lord of the Rings. That was my best ever Christmas. It was great. New sleeping bag, <laughs> new edition of Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings. Danny, as you've chipped in, what does Christmas look like? Well, he doesn't celebrate Christmas, does he? No. Well, that's oh, exactly. I mean, look, basically, being Jewish, it's like <laughs> we don't get up in the morning and go, hooray, the birth of Christ. But as David says, you know, because uh, because we're at home with all the children, um, it's always a very nice day. But it can be a bit odd, you know, not being involved at all in Christianity at Christmas. Uh, because although everyone says, oh, the Christianity has gone out of it, actually, there is still quite a lot in it. And it can be a little bit, a little bit odd be and i also remember sometimes people think uh people start sympathizing with your poor children because they don't uh, celebrate <laughs> christmas but they do celebrate other things so it, it is a slightly weird um occasion melanie what does christmas look like in the in the uh, reed household well this year it's it's going to be very quiet because my son can't get back till boxing day um and so we're going to have champagne and we're going to have um, sort of Sainsbury's Sainsbury's turkey turkey uh, uh, Christmas dinner because the Boxing Day will be the proper turkey. So we're going to have absolutely easy, easy for me. Um, and then I'm going to bury myself because I too uh, associate reading good books with Christmas. Um, I'm going to bury. I bought myself The Fall by by John Preston about Maxwell's decline. Because <laughs> oh, it's the sort of Happy book Christmas. I just really want to get into because um i i'm one of his pension victims and uh so i'm really looking forward to that most of all very good right you should be reading one of libby's books libby what does christmas look like in your house 
Well, normally we are kind of Christmas central and, um, you know, Paul cooks for about, you know, 15 to 17 people and, and they bring a family around and, you know, I stick on the, um, now that's what I call Christmas and I sing along with Slade and Wizard, as people should, because there's a big sort of lump of the family heading off to America to new newborn grandchildren they haven't been able to see and so on. So oh. it's basically, we're, we're sort of, it's just the, the three of us. And so we're zooming off down to my nephews. My nephew is newly married in his first house. House and his wife wants to be Christmas and I think it's a very important moment where you kind of hand over the yeah it's Christmas I am Christmas come to my house and I shall be very drunk because I don't have to drive anywhere Christmas <laughs> and, and suddenly you're kind of handing it on you know and, and on Christmas night we shall drive right back up to Suffolk very very quietly um uh, not having been been drunk at least not all of us having been drunk and um <laughs> we, we'll have sort of handed over Christmas and I think that's a lovely a lovely thing to be able to do and it may come back to us next year but it may not you know so it's uh it's kind of different. Meanwhile, in the run up to Christmas, of course, I just go to every available theatre. I feel I must support the theatres. They are right. having a terrible time and having shows closed and everything. And I staggered the other day, I was supposed to be going to Life of Pi um, and I had a ticket for it and I was going to go. And um, it, suddenly at the matinee, it was, was closed down and they, they'd been off for a few days. And so I thought, where should I go? And so I ran to the Palladium and found there was one £25 seat in the stalls because it was all sort of isolated. And so I was there watching all complete bloody nonsense in the Palladium. Which I have to say, it's almost exactly the same show as they did last year, only with added Donny Osmond. And, you know, you don't really want to add Donny Osmond to your Christmas cake. Um, uh, but... <laughs> It's fun, but I'm just, I'm just basically, I'm an audience. I'm an audience. I am supporting the theatres. You know, they need us. And, I think somebody know. should explain to Danny who Donny Osmond is. <laughs> he's, he's up and coming, Danny. Because not like because Danny's not a Christian, and he may not know. <laughs> we sing, so we all sing, "Love Me for a Reason." The the, the the idea that I do not know poppy love or or the 12th of never is I, outrage. More, I, I see you rather more as a, a marie osmond fan yeah more a wayne i would think um or uh, um, you know little um, not little jimmy, jimmy no <laughs> of all the ways places i thought this was going to go daddy's in-depth knowledge of the Osmonds. well uh, it, it's interesting alice is just thinking david cassidy but she's not saying a word Yes, exactly. No, I, think she, I think she's thinking David Cameron. No. Oh. <laughs> that was very Sasha Swire of you. Yeah. Um, so, if you were buying presents for a politician, then um, you can pick. You can pick the politician. I won't ask you for specifically Boris Johnson or Keir Starmer, but that's probably not a bad place to start. Uh, uh, what would you buy them, Libby? I am going to buy Keir Starmer um, now. That's what I call Christmas. The the huge double album because that's got Slade. He needs Slade. The man needs you know. Come on, he's come on, feel the noise. He, he needs some you know. I wish it could be Christmas every day from Wizard. He needs Fairy Tale of New York with all the insults you know that he ought to be throwing at the Prime Minister and never quite manages to. Um, uh, and uh, so that's that's my present for Keir Starmer is 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 a loosen him up. No, that's what I call Christmas, and I'll go around and have a bop with him and say. Just let it go, Keir. Let it all out. I know what you feel. Let it out. It's time and letting it all out is a worrying, uh, a worrying uh, mental image. Melanie, what were you? What, what would you buy a politician for Christmas? Well, I was thinking of Keir too, who who is, um, you know, as I said, decent, but he he does need to. Um, to, to, to get a bit livelier and you know there's a there's there's a, an amazing book it was a couple of years ago called the curious history of sex i think i think it would it would you know he could he could enjoy that 
it, it would be good for him. David, David, go on then. What, do, what would you buy, buy one of them for Christmas? If there were a way of doing in the manner of the word as a board game and so on or something like that, then I probably would buy that for, for Keir Starmer. Uh, in the manner of the word, for people who don't know it is, everybody knows what the word is, but you don't. You're sent out of the room. And then you've got to go and back in and ask them to do something in the manner of it. So my late mother once gave birth lecherously um, during Christmas Day, which was, I think, is a kind of memory I will never, ever forget. Um, and I think it would, I think the Starmer family doing that so that he was forced to do a kind of series of activities. I think that would have the effect that Libby's trying to get at without having that horrible noise, which she likes so much, but which other people find rebarbative. <laughs> and if that's a very long-winded way of answering, it's because I, because I really, you gave me no notice of that question at all, and I hate it. Excellent. Thank you, David. Your, 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 your points have been noted. Alice? <laughs> I would say both Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson a haircut, actually, because I know it shouldn't matter, but I still, every time Boris gives one of those addresses to the nation, which he has given just now again he just doesn't bother and it really upsets me because I know that my dad although he has dementia would be really upset that he hadn't bothered to brush his hair and I think Keir's got too perfect hair alternatively he needs a proper cut that kind of takes off some of the so true weight of it Danny well you know that thing where you were people you know ask you ask people what they want and in the end you end up giving them money um I, I think basically I thought I might do that with Boris Johnson he seems to need some money and I thought maybe I would buy it put it towards his wallpaper or he could buy himself a desk light or something like that. It's uh, the brown low option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, this time I would tell him uh, who it was who was giving him the, uh, the <laughs> presents so that he knew. But I think that would be my, would be my present. <laughs> Very good. Rachel? Well, I think we can have a Christmas film moment and do a Wizard of Oz set yeah. of gifts. So we can have for Boris Johnson, oh, Keir Starmer will give him some courage, like the lion, Boris Johnson can get a heart because I'm not sure he's got one. Uh, and I'm not sure who should we give the brain to. I thought maybe um, we could give the brain to Rishi Sunak because he's going to need it. He is quite clever, but he's going to need every brain cell he can get over the what next. What about Patel because she hasn't got one, do you think? Yeah, that's true. She can have the brain. Okay. <laughs> Although she could do the heart as well, probably. <laughs> Actually, she <laughs> could do all three, couldn't she? All three. <laughs> Does Rishi have the little red shoes? Because <laughs> yes, yeah. he liked I them. Think they'd him. Mm. Then he can fly away, click his heels together. I think I actually think Liz Truss would be in the red shoes, though, wouldn't she? Definitely for the photo op. She'd be in the Dorothy dress, dancing down the yellow brick road. Perfect. Another mental image that everyone will be scarred with all over Christmas. <laughs> Finally, then, I wanted to ask you. Uh, we've looked back on 2021. Let's look ahead to 2022. Where will we be in a year's time? Who'll be prime minister? Who'll be leader of the opposition? What will have happened? Will there be anyone left in the cabinet? Will anyone left working at number 10? I'll give you time to think about it this time, David. Yeah. Uh, so why, <laughs> why don't we go to Rachel, first of all? Oh, goodness. Um, so I think in a year, Boris Johnson will still be prime minister just. But I think... There'll be a lot of grumbles about him. There'll be a lot of plotting. There'll be letters will have gone in to the Graham Brady. Is it still Graham Brady? There'll be all kinds of stories about how long will he last. Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss will be absolutely in full manoeuvres in tanks and sliders and everything. And it'll be full on major leadership from about March onwards. Plot, plot, plot. But I think he might still hang on. 
for another year, but maybe not until the election. Very good. Danny? So the problem with predicting when Boris Johnson or if Boris Johnson will go is it's not linear. If it was just, uh, as Rachel said, that uh, it basically depends on him becoming somewhat more unpopular and more unpopular and then eventually enough letters go in um, then he and then there's a vote of confidence and he doesn't win it, uh, then that would be relatively easy to predict. The problem with him is it could happen literally tomorrow or it could never happen because he'll basically fall down a hole is the way that Boris Johnson will go, in my view. Um, so that, uh, it, it, you know, and so it's, very, and that makes it extremely difficult to predict. Thus, definitely the safest thing to predict is that in a year's time, we'll still have the same leader of the opposition and the same prime minister. Uh, but it is, you know, but the problem from with Boris right from the beginning has been this accident-prone nature. He does not have the same insulation that other uh, prime ministers have, where when something happens uh, that uh, and is the integrity is questioned, the prime minister gets the benefit of the doubt, and that is usually what would happen, and he doesn't have that. Uh, and I think, therefore, he's extremely vulnerable to political accident, uh, and um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, if such a political accident befell him in the year, but you certainly can't predict it because it's so, um, you know, it's one of these kind of surprise things that will happen. We'll wake up one morning and will happen. <laughs> Libby, your prediction for 2022? I think a couple of things will happen. I mean, as I say, nobody knows at all about the, the politics and the prime minister. I think there's going to be quite a serious backlash against the whole sort of cancelling people for wrong think and so on. I think that, that we're, we're, coming to, we're coming to the end of a kind of wave of all that. And I think that will, that will end. I think the other thing is we're going to have variant after variant after variant, you know, right through to Omega. And people are going to pay less and less and less attention to it. It's going to be harder and harder and harder to enforce any kind of different public behaviour. And so that'll be interesting. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm quite optimistic, actually. I, I sort of feel that uh, we've all been shaken up a great deal over a couple of years, and it's usually quite good to shake people up and shake lives up. And of course, there are casualties which are awful, you know, but the deaths and people's lives and jobs and so on. But the, the shaking up of everything, the shaking up of attitudes and people being forced to think about what they want governments to do, what they want governments to be like, what they want public institutions to be like, uh, what they want the NHS to be like, what they demand of it, you know, what your relationship is with the NHS, all these things. I think I think it's, you know, we'll, we'll have grown interestingly through the next year and I look forward to it. Melanie your prediction for next year? Uh, well there won't be a Scottish referendum even <laughs> though uh, Sturgeon says she's going to uh, you know call one in the autumn and I think that the, the, um, the chances of them being one for a long time but, but while, while Boris Johnson is there and I, I absolutely agree he's, he's the greased piglet isn't he? He will continue to survive. So he's the best. He's the best thing that um, the the SNP have got going for them at the moment. Um, if they lose him, then uh, it might be interesting. Alice, then um, I think I'm, I think that the Tory backbenchers and the Tory MPs are just more ruthless um, than everyone else thinks. I think they will get rid of Boris. I think he's slid pretty far just in a few weeks. And I think having shared an office with him and uh, a paper and seen him quite often, I think he is someone who gets away with it for a long time, but then suddenly doesn't anymore. I don't think it'll stop him getting his column. I think that's why 
he is constantly um, sucking up to his former employers because he would rather like to go back to being a newspaper columnist. And that was one of my problems with him being prime minister is I think he gives newspaper columnists such a terrible name as politicians because they're just not very good at being <laughs> prime minister. Yeah, um, his columns were great. His columns were very good. Peppa Pig was a great column. It, that's what it was. It was a column, but it was absolutely nothing else. It would have been a great first half of the column. He'd have filed it at 10 to 7. It had taken him half an hour to write. And everyone would have thought, oh, God, great, you know, funny, entertaining. And we love you, Boris. And actually, it doesn't work as a prime minister. And I don't think any of us would be particularly good. Putting my neck out here. Maybe Danny, obviously, because you're all very oh, Danny, uh, but I just think columnists don't because they're thinking, of interest, they're thinking of jokes, they're thinking of entertainment, they're trying to inform, but they're not actually coming up with all the solutions, which is what you need to be all being or reading all the briefs all the time or having to choose a staff underneath them that we don't do that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's what Boris isn't good at. He's not going to have many staff left in number 10. Um, he hasn't got many people who you think could lead, but then we didn't when we got John Major and... You know, we didn't really with David Cameron until the leadership campaign started. You never really know who's going to come from where, actually. So I think we will have a leadership challenge next year. And I think it'll just be interesting who's in it and who isn't. Very good. Right. I've done everyone, haven't I, apart from no. David? So, no, so um, Exactly. So I've given you plenty of time. So this better be really good. Your prediction for 2022. Well, I think what Boris Johnson has done is what you might call for the older people here, a reverse Dick Emery. You know, Dick Emery used to say, you're, you're awful, but I like you. And now people are saying to him, you're awful, and I really can't stand you. And that is, uh, that is a real kind of difficulty. I, mean, I can't remember who it was which got a great American general, um, somebody else might know, said that you can go into a place and be a nice uh, a, a bastard and then prove yourself a nice guy, but you can't go in somewhere as a nice guy and prove that you're a nasty guy. Um, and I think that's kind of pretty much what has happened to uh, to Johnson. And I don't think that's coming back. And I think, therefore, Danny's right, that he's waiting to fall down the next big hole that opens up. And the only thing you can be relatively sure is the hole will open up and so on, and that he may very well dis regard the game as not being worth the, the candle and so on. And anyway, he's got time to fit another child in during the course of next year uh, and so on. So it's not at all impossible that, either, that, the, that the pressure of being a, a father who doesn't get to see his family is so great that as the saying goes he needs to, to resign to spend more time with his families um uh, so i think that i i do think that is a real possibility during the course of uh, next year the other thing i want to predict is that there will be a scottish referendum not because i think there will be but because if there isn't no one will remember that i said there was going to be and if there <laughs> is one i can write a column saying i predicted last year that there will be a referendum in scotland and look what happened. <laughs> That's cheating. And that's, that's the problem with columnists as prime ministers, you see. Yeah, exactly. It proves the I point. As if we needed further evidence of why David shouldn't be prime minister. Which Times columnist would make the best prime minister? Trevor Phillips. Trevor Phillips, says Libby. Very good. Melanie? Giles Corrin. <laughs> <laughs> Melanie, completely. Chancellor of the Exchequer for Giles, I think. Almost yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Uh, Danny. So I've tried to make one of the other Times columnists into the Prime Minister. William Hague. Which yeah. is William Hague. So clearly we have amongst us somebody whom I think would be, um, you know, people here may disagree with his politics or they may not, but uh, I certainly found him a very impressive person to work for. So he's my choice. A bit of a oh, honestly. God, David. 
<laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of, well, I mean, one would suggest, Danny, of course one would. But you was that insufficiently require, fatuous for but, you, David? But, but, but you would reg- yeah, it really was. And also, <laughs> it was you just being nicey-nicey about everybody, which I've told you about before. I've tried to stop you, but nothing will uh, prevent you. <laughs> um, no, uh, Danny, I think you'd make not a bad... Pri- uh, out of us, you'd make the best prime minister. Um, you probably don't think you would, but I think mm. you would. But in the German style... Um, in other words, you would be calm and you would be sensible and you wouldn't be over theatrical. It's not because you can't be theatrical. You can be very funny, etc. So I so I would nominate you. But that sounds so appalling that I think this whole section should be cut out before broadcast <laughs> ever see the light of day. When he does become, or we choose him as our prime minister, then we have to get Nicola Jill in the magazine to dress him up as Angela Merkel. Because I think actually, Danny, you're quite Angela Merkel-esque. I think you'd be very good Honestly. at that. Yeah. I'm not very sure whether to say this is a compliment or not. I, I want to put a word in for William Hague because actually he he would be ideal. At the uh, the comment bash the other night, we spent the whole evening talking about judo holds because I used to do judo and he used to do judo. We were comparing the different judo holds, and so I know that he is a man who at least knows how to fall gracefully. We've seen him do it after the two thousand and one election. Well, you can fall, you fall, and then you rise again, and you can use the, the other person's weakness, the other person's uh, strength against them by hurling them over your head with your foot in their stomach. We were discussing that a lot. I hope they play Chumbawamba, <laughs> cut it in to that bit of what you've just been saying, etc. Because that was going to be my nomination for Christmas song, which you never asked about and which I spent ages thinking about. Well, it's not a Christmas song, though, is it, Chumbawamba? Oh, don't give me that. Anything can be a Christmas <laughs> song if you sing it at Christmas. I'm, which Chumbawamba song? Top Stop, I think, presumably, yeah. But I'm not allowed to sing it because it's got that word in it that Matt doesn't like and accuses me of being potty-mouthed if I do say it. Which one? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to no, say so that. you've just bleeped it out. If you put it, you've bleeped it out. <laughs> Can we have a consensus candidate for which columnist would make a prime minister and have that as Matt? No, that would be a terrible idea. What would he I'm be? What, 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 okay, if he's not going to be prime minister, what well, would we make yeah. Matt in a government? What would, what, what department oh, I think that would be good part of the problem with making Matt prime minister is who would do the 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock slot on Times Radio? Well, he would. I mean, that's that's much harder to fill. We call it, call it PMQs. What would you like to be? What would you most like to be, Matt? If you were in government, you had to be in government. So we're going to give you one of the cabinet portfolios. Matt, Matt would actually have to be culture minister, actually, you know, the, the DCMS, but uh, sort of take the media and sport out of it and just do I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure I've got the towering intellect of the current occupant of that um, portfolio. I can imagine you, and I'm a celebrity, though, Matt. Thank you. Again, I'm not sure I've lost so completely lost control of all of this. Given that we've all agreed that Danny is going to be our, our uh, Prime Minister, Danny, do you want to address the nation and wish them all a very happy Christmas? <laughs> yes, I, thank you. Uh, do, I have to have one, don't I have to have one of those little signs that come up before I say anything? And I have to pre-record it as well, obviously. But everyone, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. And so ends our columnists' focus group. On the podcast tomorrow, all this year, we've been picking through all 55 Prime Ministers with Andrew Jimson, because 2021 was the 300th anniversary of Robert Warhol becoming our first Prime Minister. So on the podcast tomorrow, we're going to take a look at all of the most recent Prime Ministers, from Thatcher to Johnson. So make sure you, you don't miss that.
This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.